Monday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show at checkout. Once again, for 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code Colby Show. 15% off at Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It was a weekend that uh, we had so much happening in the sports world. And honestly, if you're going to have a rainy weekend, uh, why not have it on a weekend where there were a million things going on? I watched uh, the Monaco Grand Prix qualifying and race on Saturday and Sunday morning. My son's a massive race fan. Uh, and we started watching that Formula One show a couple years ago. Uh, and then we watched it a few weeks ago, all three seasons. And he's a monster fan. Uh, and he was really looking forward to this race. So we got up early on Saturday and Sunday, both mornings, and and watched uh Formula One. Uh, we also had, let's see, UFC on Saturday night. Huge card with uh, Cody Garbrandt and Rob Font as the main event. We had four days of the PGA Championship. And obviously on Sunday, to have Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka in the final group was just absolutely amazing. And for Phil to win it, right? I mean, just an unbelievable story. We have NBA playoffs. We have Stanley Cup playoffs. We have uh, softball regionals, which I think it's really cool that I've seen so many people on social media talking about uh, the softball regionals. And, you know, I don't know how many people out there are just massive softball fans in general. Um, I was never really a softball fan before I had a few opportunities to go watch it live at the Women's College World Series. And it's just, it's such a fun sport. It's such a fast-moving sport. There are very few lulls in the action. Um, I've I've found it to be incredibly entertaining. And when you watch how great Oklahoma has been, um, college softball has been a lot of fun. And look, Oklahoma State for that matter as well. So both of those teams are a blast to watch. And if you're one of the people that's uh, that's following it, you're getting great action. If you if you're not really interested in softball, maybe give it a chance. Just uh, check it out and look. If you still don't like it, then then so be it. But I think a lot of people feel like baseball moves way too slow, and therefore they don't want to give softball a chance. And I would just say that the pace of the game is drastically faster in softball than it is in baseball. So uh, give it a chance, see what you think. But uh, again, Oklahoma, you know, marching for another national championship, and uh, they look very much like they're capable of doing that. Uh, what else did we have over the weekend? We had, uh, I mentioned UFC, um, PGA. Yeah, it was it was an awesome weekend. Um, between that and playing video games with my son, it was, uh, I, I had very little time to do anything else. We had the video game draft on Friday. If you listened to that, um, I appreciate it. Let us know. I posted in several different places the uh, the teams, who drafted what video games. So give us some feedback and, and let me know who you think uh, won the video game draft at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter or reply to, I think I posted it on Facebook and Instagram as well. So just reply to those posts with who you think won. But let's uh, let's start with the NBA playoffs here. Um, I, I first need to say, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard me say this several times throughout the season, but... I feel like the NBA's, the quality of what we're watching in the NBA is drastically down simply because of no fans in, in these arenas. Um, 
you know, I think they were able to maybe get past that in the bubble a year ago, and that was great action simply because the basketball was so good, right? Like, there was no other distractions. Everybody was in the same place. There was no travel, and, you know, it was just kind of a... It was the bubble was built to give us optimum performance as far as basketball goes. So I think they were able to get around the no fan situation last year because the basketball was so good. But then you get back into the normal rhythm of all the other distractions and the travel and everything else uh, that goes into playing these NBA games. And the basketball is not nearly at the same level. Plus, you don't have that extra energy from the fans. And I, I think it probably in some ways impacts guys on the floor and momentum swings, but I think it also is really impactful as far as the viewing experience through the television uh, to not have those people in there, you know, that, that really have an impact as far as the energy within the game. Um, I, I think that's been very telling throughout this entire NBA season. So uh, we did have a couple of situations over the weekend uh, where there were fans and they definitely made an impact and definitely made the viewing experience better. But in terms of, of these playoffs, you know, on Friday, we still didn't uh, have the full field set yet, uh, but uh, now everybody has played a game. I'll just go through the Eastern Conference real quick and then the Western Conference. Uh, 76ers-Wizards, the 1-8 series in the East. Um, I, I picked Sixers in five. Uh, one of those things where I think you'll, at some point along the way, have a game where Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook just go off and maybe steal one, but... I don't think in terms of this series, the 76ers are in any jeopardy whatsoever. So I like them to win that series comfortably. Uh, Knicks-Hawks, this is, a, this is a series that I've got the Hawks winning in seven. And really, it's just a situation where I look at the two teams and I think that there are so there's so much more firepower uh, on that Atlanta side and so many more shot makers, guys that uh, can help Trey Young along the way that uh, I, I like Atlanta to get past New York. But, you know, New York is a, a tough, um, gutty team, and I think they're going to make things really difficult. So that should be, if, if you want to say going seven games is fun, that should be a fun series in terms of either one of those teams really giving us the idea that they're going to compete for the Eastern Conference Championship. I don't think that's the case, but um, I'll talk about this in a second. I think these playoffs are massively important for the star power of Trey Young. Bucks Heat, uh, this is probably my favorite matchup in the Eastern Conference in the first round, simply because we know that the Heat are capable of playing at a really high level, uh, obviously in the NBA Finals a year ago. So when you look at the Bucks and the Heat in this matchup, I have the Bucks winning this series. I have them winning in six. Um, I mentioned Trey Young a second ago. This, this playoffs is also extremely important for Giannis, uh, and I'll touch on that in a minute as well. But I, I like the way these teams match up. I think this is going to be a fun series. Uh, I just have the Bucks edging it out in six games. Net Celtics. Um, the Celtics, to me, have been one of the biggest disappointments in the NBA. They get the seven seed. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum is a a star. He is incredible and has the potential to be the best player on the on the court on any given night. Uh, that said, uh, you know, the Nets just have way too much and. Uh, I picked the Nets in four. I, I just don't think that this is a, uh, a situation where the Celtics get the better of one of these games. I think the, the Nets cruise through this first-round matchup. In the West, uh, Jazz Grizz might be, especially without Donovan, Donovan Mitchell in the mix, might be the uh, least exciting matchup on paper for most NBA fans. But the game last night was really fun to watch. 
Uh, John Morant, you know, I've, I've said for a couple of years, John Morant's one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA, and we're continuing to watch his maturity grow at the NBA level. Obviously, the guy is unbelievably explosive and dynamic in terms of being an athlete and a basketball player. Like, he can do things that nobody else can do or that very few can do. But uh, to watch him kind of start to put that all together in terms of playing against better competition in bigger moments, picking the spots when he needs to go and picking the spots when he needs to, you know, allow the guys around him to make plays. Um, I, I love watching him get into the lane and hit those floaters. I mean, it is, uh, it, it's just, it, it puts a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart to watch John Morant get, get into the paint and hit floater after floater. So, um, unfortunately, I just don't think the Grizz have enough to, to win the Jazz, win this series against the Jazz over the course of a series. Uh, I know they got the one last night. I originally picked the Jazz in five. I, I didn't think that they would lose game one for sure. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, we'll get the Jazz bouncing back. I would love to see John Morant really push Utah in this series, but uh, I've got the Jazz in five. We'll see. Uh, Clippers, Mavericks. Uh, this is a series that uh, also I think the Clippers are a team that I, I just think has more firepower, uh, more star power at the top. Um, you know, it kind of feels like for the Mavericks, it's Luka and everybody else. I know there are other good players on that roster, but when, you know, you're in this sort of setting and the playoffs and the lights are at their brightest, like who's going to be that guy that just shows up for you every single night? Uh, I think it's also fair to ask that question of some of the Clippers players. Uh, obviously, after the massive disappointment last season, the massive disappointment in game one, I have the Clippers winning this series in six. I definitely think the Mavs will push them. Uh, I think there's going to be quite a few good games in this series, but... I think at the end of the day, once again, there's just a little bit too much from the Clipper side of things for me, uh, and I like them to, to win 4-2. Nuggets-Blazers, probably my favorite first-round series um, in terms of who I think is going to win. I, I, I picked the Blazers in seven. That said, like I think this is the one where if you uh, if you said, I, I absolutely disagree with you, like I, I don't know that I would put up much of a fight. I think this is the closest series that there is in this first round. Um, I could be talked into either side. I just, you know, I think when you talk about Damian Lillard and being the the shot maker that he is, being the clutch player that he is for as great as Nikola Jokic is, um, if Denver had Jamal Murray, I think to pair with how well Jokic is playing, it's probably a different story for me. And I love the way that, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is a guy that continues to get better. Aaron Gordon is really exciting on that Denver team since the trade from Orlando. Uh, but I, I just feel like there's that one piece missing. And look, Jamal Murray was so great in last year's playoffs in the bubble. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's really hard to imagine them getting through these playoffs without him in uniform. But um uh, you know, for as much as the Blazers are a team that, that has been loaded, you know, the, over the last couple of years they've had lots of injury problems, and you really kind of feel like this is that team that um, has, I'm not going to say the best opportunity, but has a lot of good pieces around Damian Lillard for them to really make a run. So I'll take the Blazers in seven. And then the Suns-Lakers, I kind of flip-flopped back and forth on this uh, after the Blazers or after the Lakers uh, beat the Warriors and and punch their ticket into this series. Um, you know, when you consider the Chris Paul injury, obviously that that kind of makes things a little bit difficult going forward. Uh, that said, I felt like 
right after the Lakers won that this was going to be a game or a series that was going to go the distance. I think that uh, these teams match up in an interesting way. Um, I think both teams have some areas with the other team that they can exploit. Um, all that said, I think for me at the end of the day, it's, it's just tough to imagine despite all of the issues that we've seen from the Lakers. Um, it's tough for me to imagine LeBron James losing four times in the first round of a series against, you know, especially when you consider Phoenix and Chris Paul, maybe not being a hundred percent, it's going to take somebody's best effort to take out the Lakers. And I, I'm not saying that they couldn't potentially be down a couple games in the series at some point, but I just feel like there's that championship mentality there. There's that championship experience that uh, will ultimately be the difference for me. So for as much as I actually like the Suns better than the Lakers and like the way they're playing better than the Lakers, um, I, I just, it's tough for me to bet against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, again, I know those guys have their issues and that team has its issues, but um, I would love to see Chris Paul get it done. I would love to see the Phoenix Suns advance, but I've got the Lakers in seven. So there you go. All right. I mentioned Trey Young and I mentioned Giannis as well. You know, the NBA is, is a league that is predicated so much on the NBA superstars and what these guys accomplish as individuals and all of that, that I, I started to look at these matchups and think about like who really needs to benefit from performances in these series, whether it's winning the series or just playing well, period. Um, I think that there are some, some names that really stand out to me as far as either elevating their current star power or maybe salvaging how people really feel about some of these guys deep down. And, and I'll give you a, a couple of examples of guys that used to play in Oklahoma City real quick. I think Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George are both on this list for me in terms of regardless of whether they win or lose. I think both of those guys really need to play well for their teams in the in these first round matchups. And look, if you win the series, I think that is obviously way more important. Um, and I expect the Clippers to win, but I, I don't think anybody expects the Wizards to, to beat the 76ers in the series. But I think that for Russell Westbrook's legacy, a guy that's been so great in the regular season, that has done so many things in the regular season that we've never seen before, that is record-setting in the regular season, I feel like some of that has got to transfer into this series. Again, I don't expect them to win, but you don't want to see Russell Westbrook having a bunch of bad games when these games really matter and when teams really start game-planning for what you bring to the table and have the opportunity to adjust not that it makes his accomplishments feel completely hollow necessarily, but I think it does somewhat diminish uh, how we feel about everything that Russell Westbrook does in the regular season when we see him come up big time empty in the postseason. So I think Russell Westbrook is absolutely on this list of guys that really needs to play well for the sake of, of his star power and how people really feel about him. He's a Hall of Famer. The guys won an MVP. I don't. I'm not trying to say that uh, you know a bad series here means that he's not a good player. I just mean you know there's a chance once again where you know Russell Westbrook was somewhat written off at the beginning of this season playing in Washington, and he finished the regular season so strong and had so many people talking positively about his game and what he means to the NBA and the things that he's he's you know able to to accomplish that you would like to see some of that parlayed into playoff success. So I think he's, he's probably at the top of the list along with Paul George, who, you know, we've heard all about playoff P and pandemic P 
and just everything that's gone into, um, you know, the Paul George, Oklahoma City situation, moving to the Clippers. And, you know, again, I, I know a lot of people uh, do not like this Clippers team, but I, I, first of all, they have to win this first round series or no matter what Paul George does, I think it's a massive disappointment. But secondly, um, they need to get past the Mavs and Paul George needs to play well, I think, to kind of salvage the way that a lot of people are, are viewing him these days. Uh, Embiid and Ben Simmons kind of in the same category, I guess. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, is the one seed. Uh, they were run out of the playoffs in the first round a year ago. Uh, they were incredible in the regular season. Joel Embiid is possibly the MVP if he doesn't miss a ton of time this regular season. You know, Ben Simmons is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Obviously, he has his deficiencies offensively, but I think this series for both of those guys uh, to, to play well is really important for, you know, how we view them. And again, it's there's a big difference between guys that play really well in the regular season and then don't play well in the postseason, which kind of brings me to Giannis. Um, you know, Giannis is a two-time MVP, but we've we've watched him a lot like Russell Westbrook get into the postseason and face teams that all of a sudden are defending him completely different and put a tremendous amount of focus on him for 48 minutes and then have the opportunity to make adjustments from game to game. So I think it's really important for Giannis uh, to somewhat salvage, uh, you know, what he's kind of showed us in the postseason the last couple of years and correct uh, what kind of feels like that that negative, that bad taste in your mouth when you think about Giannis in the postseason. So this is a monster postseason for Giannis Antetokounmpo to, uh, to perform at a big-time level, and especially late in these games. You know, I go back to, to game one of that series against the Heat, and we're kind of at this point now where it feels like Giannis shouldn't have the ball in his hands at the end of games, right? Like, he, he's, he struggles... Uh, to create his own shot. He's not a good shooter from the outside. He struggles to shoot free throws. It, it felt like for some reason he kept ending up with the ball in game one against the Heat and they kept fouling him and he kept missing free throws. It was just like, how can you how can you legitimately say this is the best player in the NBA when at the end of a playoff game, you're literally screaming for him to not have the ball in his hands. So I think Giannis really needs to have a, uh, a good playoffs uh, to, again, I, I think just com- to prevent the the bad taste of playoff Giannis from getting even worse. And then the last guy I want to mention, and this isn't, he's not necessarily in the same category as these other guys, but I think there is a big opportunity for him to take a step in the right direction, and that's Trey Young. Nobody in the NBA disputes that Trey Young isn't a good basketball player. Nobody in the NBA disputes that Trey Young isn't extremely talented. Um, from a ball handler to a facilitator to, you know, a guy that can create his own shot, the crazy range. Like, Trey Young is insanely skilled and a great NBA point guard. That said, I, I talk about this all the time, especially on these, you know, Atlanta has elevated their game. They're in the 4-5 matchup in the first round. I mean, that alone should speak to his numbers also having success as far as, as what the team accomplishes. Um I think there are a lot of players in the NBA, you know, especially these guys that are taken high in the draft that uh, end up on bad teams. And it's not an easy turnaround. But for the guys that are able to have success early, I think people see these box scores with like, you know, I'll just throw like Luca in his first couple years or Trey Young in his first couple years where, you know, they're scoring 25, 27 points a night, but their teams are losing, you know, 50 games. Um, 
you know, that, that in some ways I think becomes a little bit hollow when you're having these individual results, but the team is losing night after night after night. So to see Trey Young still putting up big numbers, but Atlanta being much more successful from a team standpoint this year and now having this opportunity to do that in the postseason, if they're able to, if he's able to lead the Hawks to a first round playoff series win, I think that just massively elevates how people evaluate Trey Young going forward. And I think, you know, when you look back at the all-star snub this year, it's not like Trey Young was having a bad season or that his numbers didn't make him worthy of being an NBA all-star. But I think there's just kind of that perception, like he's a really good player, puts up massive numbers on a bad team. Well, that's not the case now. You know, Atlanta, even at the all-star break, was better than maybe a lot of people felt like they should have been. But certainly when you look at them in the 4-5 matchup in the Eastern Conference and this series, if they're able to get a win in this series, advance to the second round, and Trey Young plays well, I think that you're going to hear a lot more about Trey Young and a lot of people that cover the NBA are going to give him a lot more respect going into next year than, than he's currently getting. So, you know, some guys just have to have to be thrown into that playoff fire and see, you know, what they're made of. Uh, and on the other side, if you come out of that, you know, somewhat proving that you can get it done on that stage. I think that's what really solidifies these guys as, you know, NBA stars. So while Trey Young is, you know, I would say he's a star, but if he's able to really solidify that in this postseason series, um, I think on the other side of it, he'll come out, I think, with a lot more respect and viewed in a considerably better light uh, at the end of this thing. So, those are just some guys that I think, you know, as far as spotlight and maybe feeling, I don't know if it's pressure, but um, feeling like there's a lot to be gained or lost in terms of like individual perception. Those are some guys that I was thinking about over the weekend that really need to show up or shine in the NBA playoffs. I mentioned a little bit about the softball. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both advance. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit next week. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix was so much fun. Like I said, Little Man and I got up early on Saturday to watch the qualifying, got up early on Sunday to watch the race itself. And I've, uh, I've, I've said in the past, like, if you gave me the opportunity to, to go to any sporting event in the world, I think this would be at the top of my list, not only because I think the race is just super cool, but... I think when you Monaco itself is just absolutely stunning and just to see what that city looks like when the racetrack is set up and the yachts, like I, I just think it's amazing. Uh, so that would be at the top of my list. And it was, you know, again, like it, it's spectacular to watch this through the television. I can only imagine what it would be like to actually be there. So we watched that on Sunday morning and then uh, watched most of the PGA championship, um, you know, paying attention to the NBA playoffs and softball as well yesterday. But um, Phil Mickelson, holy cow. Like, uh, I, I, I was, I'm somewhat surprised that so many people, like, felt like this was the long shot that it was, um, only because, like, you know, Phil's one of those guys that obviously is as talented as anybody in the world. Um, he's at a point in his career, obviously being as, you know, 50 years old where he's not going to be able to put those performances together week after week after week. He's just not in an age where he can play at a high level every single weekend throughout the course of an entire PGA year. Uh, that said, like on any given weekend, I, I think Phil Mickelson is certainly capable and anybody of that caliber is certainly capable of putting four rounds together 
to be in contention or, you know, maybe win the thing. Um, I, you know, if you told me that Phil Mickelson was going to win the tournament a week ago, I wouldn't have thought that was necessarily like outlandish to say, is it a long shot? Sure. Um, but you know, he's Phil Mickelson. He, it's not like he doesn't have golf skills anymore. Um, that, that's, I guess my, my take on all this talk about what a, a long shot it was for him to win. I mean, this isn't some unknown guy that we've never heard of that, you know, comes out of nowhere and wins a master or wins a, a major and then we're probably never going to hear from again. I mean, this is a guy that just picks up major win number six over the weekend. And, you know, again, at 50 years old, he's not going to do that every single week. But you know that that kind of ability is there. Uh, and, uh, you know, Phil looks like he's taking care of himself. He looks like he's in pretty good physical condition. So uh, cool to see Phil Mickelson. And then, you know, the crowd. Um, I was, uh, I kind of had mixed feelings about what was happening on 18 because in one respect, when you consider sports for the last year plus, not having fans at a lot of these events, like it was so great to see a golf course full of golf fans, like getting exactly what they wanted. And that was Phil Mickelson, you know, just tearing up the course and, and leading the way and winning another major. So those people like were getting to experience something in person that was just you know, outstanding. And I love the fact that they were showing the emotion. Now, when it kind of felt like they were like taking over the fairway and pushing the, the marshals. And I like, at one point I genuinely thought they may rush the green. Um, it, that to me, it was like, okay, settle down people. Like, you know, they still have to finish a golf tournament, but, um, you know, more than, more than that, I think my feeling was, it's just so cool to see people there and to see people enjoying the golf tournament and for there to be those people there and for it to be a Phil Mickelson sixth major win when that many people are there, that's so special. And it just, once again, goes to show you why we need fans at these events and sports. It just, it makes the entire thing better. I think it gives the athletes a different buzz. I think it gives the viewers, all of us that are um, observing this thing through the television screen. I think having fans there showing passion and energy, it just makes the product better. So uh, there you go. That's my thoughts on a few, a few people asked me on Twitter over the weekend, my thoughts about that. So, um, easier to just address it here. Um, but I, I liked it overall. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it was just a cool scene to see that many people psyched about what they were watching in person. Um, what else is there? I, I playoffs, uh, we've got, I think my two favorite series, um, Overall, are tonight we have Bucks Heat in the East, favorite series there, and then Nuggets Blazers in the West. As far as competitiveness, I think those are the two series I like the best uh, in the East and West. And so the game twos of of those two matchups take place tonight. Uh, and then Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, my team is not in it. The Blackhawks are not a playoff team, uh, so I don't necessarily have rooting interest. But if you're somebody that just loves, you know the loves sports in general, loves competition and loves when it's at its pinnacle as far as like having that win or go home, everybody leaving everything they have, you know, on the ice or on the, on the field or whatever, you know, it is that they're playing. I think the Stanley cup playoffs give you that basically every time out. So if you're not a hockey fan and uh, pick a team, I, you know, I, I became a Blackhawks fan because I had friends that were into hockey and like, I wanted to like, I I wanted to join in the fun. Um, and they told me to pick a team. And basically like I, 
I looked at who had the best gear because I was just like, if I pick a team, I'm obviously going to like rep the team, a hat, a shirt, something. So I literally went on Google, searched for NHL gear and just looked for the best gear. And I, I thought the Blackhawks had the coolest gear. So I, that's how I became a Blackhawks fan. True story. And then that was after their first uh, title in what, 2010 or 11. Um, I didn't even know that they had won it. I mean, that's how little I followed hockey. I didn't even know that they had won the Stanley Cup like two years before. Uh, and then, so so I became a fan, and then they win two more Stanley Cups over the, like the next three years. Uh, so I got kind of spoiled early, but like there's nothing like having a team to follow and root for in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it's the, the tension, uh, the urgency and intensity of every game is off the charts fantastic. So um, if you're not a hockey fan and you want to join, just pick a team, pick a team that's playing, uh, and, you know, try and follow along. And, uh, I think you will, I think you'll really enjoy it. Even if you don't necessarily understand all the rules and, and all that good stuff, I didn't either, but, uh, it, I, I, it's, it's not too hard to pick up on and kind of have an idea as to what's happening. Uh, and then finally, um, Will and I will, you know, every Thursday, Will and I do our UFC podcast. Um, we will review the card, on Saturday night, there's no fight card this weekend. They're taking Memorial Day off, and then they'll bounce back with the uh, Rosenstrike uh, Sakai main event card uh, the following Saturday. Uh, so no picks this week, but we'll talk a lot of, of UFC on Thursday. But just real quick, um, the, this was a massive main event on Saturday night with Cody Garbrandt and Rob Font. Uh, Cody Garbrandt's a fan favorite. I mean, I, I most people that follow the sport um, regularly, I think, appreciate Cody Garbrandt. He was, he became a champion at a really young age. Um, you know, it all kind of disappeared very quickly. And then he had a, he, he came back last year, had a monster knockout. And, you know, this was, this was a big fight on Saturday night. This was either, is he a contender or uh, a big fork in the road type of fight, I guess. I thought Rob Font was just going to be a massive problem for Cody in the stand-up exchanges. The length for Rob Font was going to be a problem, the jab. Uh, and look, I think anybody that follows the sport probably was had some questions about Cody Garbrandt's chin going into this fight. I will say this. I was really impressed with the shots that Cody Garbrandt took for five rounds on Saturday night. And, you know, that maybe that part of the equation was answered. Um, he took... Big shot after big shot after big shot from Rob Font and never went away. Uh, so I give him a lot of credit from that regard. But, you know, Rob Font was spectacular. I thought the first round was close, probably. Like, if you wanted to give the first round to Cody Garbrandt, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. I, I think that uh, either way you went with the first round, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't see where Cody Garbrandt could have been in the conversation the rest of the way. I had it 5-0. I, I thought that, uh, or 50-45, if you want to do it that way. I thought that, uh, that that Rob Font did more than Cody. Cody got two takedowns in the first round, but nothing really came of them. There, were, there was no punishment delivered with either takedown and, you know, neither one of them, there, there wasn't control time. There just, you know, it was two takedowns for the sake of two takedowns and, and no capitalization off of them. So, I felt like Rob Font definitely did more damage in the first round, so I gave it to Font. But if the two takedowns are enough for you to give it to, to Garbrandt, then so be it. The rest of the way, though, I thought it was clearly Rob Font, uh, two, three, four, and five. So impressive performance for him. He's now on that short list at bantamweight. That I, you know, this is 
I talk a lot about the lightweight division. I think the lightweight division is the best in the UFC. I think 135 is the second best division in the UFC. Uh, we, we have a long time to wait, it feels like, for Jan Aljo 2 uh, and the, the title. And then, obviously, Corey Sanhagen feels like he should be the next in line, but he's got to fight with TJ Dillashaw. So if Sanhagen wins that, that kind of punctuates that he's the next guy for the title. If Dillashaw wins, I'm, I, you know, I, maybe they, uh, they throw him into the title mix immediately, uh, or maybe it's, uh, maybe the loser gets Rob Font. I don't know how they're going to handle 135, but I absolutely think Rob Font is a guy that is a problem at 135, and he's kind of put his name on that short list, you know, along with the, the four guys I just mentioned with, Aljo and Jan and uh, Dillashaw and Sanhagen and Rob Font's right there. So uh, this is a really fun division. Again, I think there are a lot of good ways they could go in this division, but Rob Font certainly uh, punctuated how people felt about him following the Marlon Marais fight with what he did for five rounds uh, against Cody Garbrandt. So, all right, uh, that is it. Uh, Little Man is begging me to come play video games with him. So we got the Nickelodeon Kart Racer game. Uh, over the weekend, and he has just fallen in love with it. I mean, it's it's a fun game for kids. It's it's actually like I've I've really enjoyed playing it. It's it's really easy gameplay. Uh, it's not too difficult. It's just kind of like a a fun fun game. So we've been playing against each other uh, on and off for for the last uh, day and a half or so. Uh, but anyway, he is uh, he is ready for me to come race him. So. That's going to do it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Also, feel free to give them a call. If you have any questions about these products or their health benefits, call Artisan Botanicals, 405-458-9699. And we're saving you 15% when you order online. Abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code ColbyShow at checkout. Once again, for 15% off, abotanicalcompany.com. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.